You think not getting caught in a lie is the same thing as telling the truth? Hello and welcome to another episode of Kill James Bond. I am Alice Caldwell Kelly and I am joined by the full cast, the full complement of our podcast today because we've got Abigail Thorne, we've got Hello. Devon, and we've got Nate Bethay. How's it going, Nate? It's going very well. Thank you for having me on. It's uh, it's always an interesting experience because I normally listen to this you know, post, it's been recorded. And so I'm just sort of like, ooh, ooh, I'm on a real recording. I can, I can change things. I can change the direction of this episode. I can really fuck it up and derail it. Uh, so yeah, always exciting. Yeah, and we we made we made us all watch three days of the Condor, uh, a 1970s sort of classic of that genre. It's got Robert Redford in it. It's a conspiracy film, right? It's a, the United States government is controlling everything. That's using it to do evil sort of film and it's pursuing it's using it to pay youtubers what oh, okay. <laughs> yeah exactly and it, and it's pursuing one guy against the system right we love those kinds of movies we've we've talked about stuff that's inspired by them um i, I, I saw think... a tweet years ago where a guy said that three days of the condor is a movie about a man who dresses so fly the cia wants him dead that's <laughs> that's, that's literally true yes. that is yeah. very true um i would also say that it's a movie about how you can defeat the CIA single-handedly as long as you carjack the hottest woman you've ever seen. That's true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's also a film about what if the CIA had a, a succession of smaller CIAs within it that were... <laughs> I don't think that I don't have a drop for that particular line. Maybe there's another CIA inside the CIA. Maybe there's a little miniature CIA inside that CIA. Maybe there's a society within society. <laughs> like a Matryoshka CIA, society. yeah. Yeah. Uh, what if there's society. like one really small CIA that doesn't come apart and that's the real CIA and that's just surrounded by a bunch of other CIAs? Just fake hollow CIAs. I, I have to say, though, um, I'm not a lifelong New Yorker, but I lived in New York City for four years and spent a lot of time there for various reasons in the years prior. So anything that captures bad old New York is always a delight to me. Um, well, there's some real early 70s New York in this Yes, movie, there too. is. There really is. There's a bit where he gets almost run down by a cab, and the guy uh, puts his head out the window and goes, What the hell are you doing, Mac? Are you sleeping at night? Perfect. It's Just perfect. A, absolutely no notes. But so, so, so we begin in a sort of quite collegiate intelligence agency. <laughs> Yeah, the CIA turns out really chill place to work. Like it's it's something that I think um, it, it's a feature of some of the Jack Ryan books too. Is that like at some point in the intelligence services, you need just a sort of bunch of very tweedy guys who wear sweaters who read a lot, um, who yeah. who who don't do the Jason Bourne stuff and instead just spend a lot of time reading novels. And so I have a I have an anecdote about this that. Uh, mm. I could leave to everyone's discretion as to whether or not it's it's too uh, army meathead to be left in a regular episode, but I do feel like it's very much up our alley as a show. Say it, say it. Which is a friend of mine uh, who's now a special forces officer. At one point, was a uh, on a special like detachment mission to work uh, for Ranger Regiment on one of their deployments to Afghanistan. Mm. So he was working in their joint operations center, 
And he said that about 75% of the people in those, uh, what they call a JOC, the JOC, are, um, are, you know, defense intelligence agencies, CIA, other agencies, et cetera, civilians, you know, sort of like working in the whatever intelligence gathering things. And he says that the, the Ranger guys have a nickname for these people. And I mean, obviously it's a subset, but it just applies to all of them. They call them wall walkers because they're so autistic that they have to follow the perimeter <laughs> of the wall to walk anywhere that they're going. And so like, wow. if I were to describe, basically everything that the Special Operations Command across all of the U.S. military has done since 2001 has more or less been powered by autism. And uh, <laughs> I just felt like that was something that was worth including. Yeah. He, he, and he wow. works He works for the Autism Intelligence Agency. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. In, in the same way that Jack Ryan, like, theoretically teaches at the Naval Academy at Annapolis and then incidentally gets drawn into shit, but he still gets to preserve this sort of Donish affect. Robert Redford works for, I, I think it's called, like, the American Historical Literary Society. That's right. Um, and what they do is sort of open source intelligence. Is the way he describes it later on is they read everything that gets published. They read uh, novels, they read journals, they read like cheap spy thrillers, and they plug it all into a big computer, and the computer tells them whether or not it is ripping off something the CIA actually does, so they know if the CIA is leaking. That's um, a cool idea. But also, like, we see that he gets his own office, and like... He comes to work in jeans. It looks and, like such like, a he, nice his, place to work. Right? Genuinely, and his his girlfriend works there, and like it yeah, just Janice. seems like a very relaxed atmosphere. Like, yeah. yeah. What was funny is we get like a solid ten minutes, which doesn't seem like a lot of time, but it does a lot of work mm. introducing just the people he works with, his office. He's late coming in, and when we introduce him, the first shot of Robert Redford is him wearing a sort of a beanie hat like Boris Johnson wears one, riding a 1970s e-bike in New York City traffic. Yeah, riding, riding north on Park Avenue, uh, like, to 77th Street, where they have this townhouse, uh, you know, converted into an office, basically looking like me in traffic. But he's, he's, it's like a moped. <laughs> I don't even think it's an e if it's an e-bike, that's amazing. But yeah, he's, he's riding a moped amid a sea of, like, gigantic 70s boat cars. And oh, it's yeah. just sort of establishing that he's a he's a renegade. He's an outsider. He's uh, he does things his own way. He he marches to the tune of a different drummer. That's right. Uh, to include when he goes to uh, to get lunch in a fateful, the world's most fateful lunch order. Yeah, his his boss sent uh, like hands him some report and then sends him out to get lunch in the rain. And he sneaks out the back, which makes their ex military security guard very mad because it's unauthorized. And we we see that the building is being watched by somebody in a car who is crossing off names on a list as they enter um, and and leave. So they don't see him leave is no, the point. But they see him come in and they tr cross his name off the list and the surveillance glamour shot returns. I don't remember uh, what movie did this last, but having a photo of someone that's meant to be a surveillance photo, but because it's an actor, you just have like a 5 by 5 glossy of Robert Redford. Uh, it looks like he should have signed it, and they just take him off the list, and it's like, yep, Robert Redford is in the building. Um, the other thing it, that I like about this is this sequence sort of really uh, makes a sort of quietly a big deal of the sort of access control of this building. You have to get buzzed in, there's a camera, there's a security guard, and we see that the woman by the desk has a panic button, and she has a forty-five automatic just in her desk drawer. Um, and, the, it, like... Throughout this scene, people are constantly going in and out and opening the door and answering it for mail and stuff for different reasons. And it's always like a slight hassle. Uh, like, I think Robert Redford goes to check on his moped because some teens are trying to steal the wheels off of it or something. 
I, also, I like- fucking adore the first like half hour of this movie so much and that the first 10 minutes where it takes so much time and care like setting up this this like ensemble cast there's everyone's in there they've all got their own little foibles there are people who get like one line but they're treated as if they'll have the entire rest of the movie yeah uh, and it's really really good in setting up that this is just redford's just gone to work today and it's just so happens that some of his habits are, have completely saved him like when he he goes out to get lunch through a back entrance because it's raining and someone's comments that he always does that when it's raining it's oh, oh, it's really good there's a nice little detail as well, which is that um, Robert Redford uh, has been like reading a bunch of uh, like mystery novels or something that have been mm. translated into a weird assortment of languages. Yes. And anyway, yes. he he's he's compiled this report that says yeah, Arabic but not Russian. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. At, at one point, he just I I don't know why I pulled this to drop, but Dutch, but not. Like- <laughs> he's compiled this report that's like, hey, I reckon some weird shit might be happening, and he's passed it on up the chain to his supervisor. And then he gets it back, and they're like, "No, they don't think it's anything. Like, so just forget about it, right?" Yeah, this, like anything to back, kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we 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 see outside some more of the surveillance team assemble. Uh, there's a guy wearing a big rain poncho who kind of looks like me. Uh, there's a mailman, and then there's also a guy who I will be referring to temporarily as Mister Euro Vibes. And yeah, yes, it's m- fucking Max von Sydow walks into this shot, Brackets and I'm like, young. "There he is, baby." That's the leader of High Throthgar himself, <laughs> and he's looking great in this movie. Like we're gonna, we're gonna sort of talk a lot about um, Robert Redford's fits, mm-hmm. which are incredible. But to me, Max von Sydow's fits in this are great. He's wearing, he's dressed exactly like the um, the hostage takers in the taking of Pelham One Two Three. Hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, he's kind of the same character even because there was this yes. like seventies American fascination with and repulsion of. European mercenaries. <laughs> Great point, Alice. Sadly, if the people wish to hear the rest of it, they'll have to go to patreon.com slash killjamesbond and sign up for about the cost of a tube of tennis balls a month. Roughly. 